Well, uh, lately we've been here at Grace talking about some of the scariest prayers that we can pray, right? And, and the huge impact that they can have on our lives. We've talked about what it means to pray, search me, God, and know my heart. And how when we pray, search me, what we're saying is, God, look inside of me, show me what you see. And then last week we talked about what it means to pray, God, don't just stop with searching me. I ask that you would mold me as well, that you would change me into what you would have me to be, that you would mold me into this better reflection of Jesus. Sometimes we forget that how, as we talked about last week, how God has us on a potter's wheel and he's constantly molding and shaping us. And when we pray that prayer, we're giving God permission to continue to do that work, even though it's painful sometimes. And today we're going to be talking about what it means uh, to pray, God, fill me, fill me. Um, It's a very biblical prayer, but oftentimes when I hear people talk about this, I wonder if they know what they're asking for God to fill them with. You know, when you say fill me, fill me with what? You know, it's it's an important question because I think we, all of us, we fill our lives with different things. Sometimes they're good things, sometimes not. Oftentimes, they're not necessarily God kinds of things we fill our lives with. For example, um, there's this guy my age who lives in Maryland. His name is Dan. And uh, he's known as the Pizza King uh, around the United States because he pretty much fills himself with nothing other than pizza. Sounds like something a college student would do, actually. But this guy, and this, this article is about four years old. He's been doing this for nearly 30 years, eating pizza every single day of his life. In fact... Uh, he doesn't just eat it every, you know, once a day. He, he was, in this interview, he says, you know, I average eating pizza about 20 out of every 21 meals a week. I'm like, are you kidding me? And you might think, well, Dave, maybe, maybe he just like puts all kinds of good stuff on his pizza. And he has a variety. Maybe he puts meats and veggies on there. No, <laughs> no meats, no veggies, cheese pizza all the way. In fact, the only green thing he says that's on his cheese pizza breakfast, lunch, and dinner is oregano. That's it. Uh, my, I think I've uh, created a diehard, uh, uh, created a hero for my, my teenage son who's a diehard pizza fan uh, in this guy. Um, Dan actually started doing this when he was about 15 or 16 years old when he decided that he wanted to become a vegetarian for ethical reasons. But the problem was, as he decided to become a vegetarian, he realized he didn't like vegetables. Kind of a problem. And he didn't cook, so pizza just became his diet ever since. And now the guy has diabetes. He's injecting insulin every day, but he's convinced it has nothing to do with his diet and that he's just completely healthy. You know, there was a time in my life when I could fill myself with some things, and it wasn't pizza. I could, I could live off of dark chocolate and Starbucks every single day of my life. Uh, chocolate is a vegetable, you know. I, I convinced my wife of that many years ago. It is true. And, and then I found out, get this, two weeks ago I found out fruit is actually, uh, uh, coffee is actually a fruit. So I've got my fruits and my veggies covered. I could have been a vegetarian, I didn't even know it. But it's a, it leads to a question, I think, which is important, and that is this this morning. What is it that fills you? What is it that fills you? I mean, if you had to choose something, anything, what would you say is it that, that thing that you tend to fill your life with the most? Because I bet if I asked 20 of you, I would get 20 completely different responses. Maybe some of you, maybe you choose food. That's kind of your go-to in life. Maybe you would say it's TV or a hobby that fills your time, just about any free moment that you have. Or maybe 
maybe you'd get a little bit real with me this morning and you'd say that you tend to fill your life with stress or negativity or busyness. I bet the last thing that most of us would say as an answer to that question is that we tend to be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is actually something the Bible encourages us to seek. But what is that? I mean, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? When we're asking God, fill me, what are we even praying? Today, we're going to learn why some people consider this prayer, this simple prayer, God, fill me, a really scary prayer. And why so many Christians aren't praying this, and they're living absent of God's power. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Colossians in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, if you have your Bibles with you, or you can use the YouVersion Bible app. Um, just keep in mind each week as we, as we do, as, we, as I give these messages, you can go to gracetucson.org slash Bible and enter right into these scriptures. You can read extended sermon notes there, articles. There's some videos available you can watch here or during the week in your quiet time. Now, this, as you're turning to Colossians, let me just say this this letter that's being written to this church in a place called Colossae, it's in modern-day Turkey. It was written to them about 2,000 years ago as the church there was just getting started, just after Christianity was born. Um, we're going to see a message within the greater context of this letter that Paul gives to them, which I think is so important about being filled with the Spirit. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. And let me be reading this from the NIV, by the way, in case you want to know, but um, you can follow along with whatever version of the Bible you have. It says this, for this reason, what, let me pause there for a minute. It says, for this reason, what reason? Well, if you look at verse 8, Paul is talking about the love that the Colossian people have for him and for others. He says, because of that love, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He paused there a moment. So he's saying here that he kept praying for them to be filled with spiritual wisdom and understanding. That may seem like an odd thing to say, but this isn't the only time in the Bible that it talks about being filled with God's Spirit. In fact, there's a place in the, the, a nearby letter, the book of Ephesians, that says this. It says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. But it says, instead, be filled, there it is again, with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an ongoing thing. When you look at this verb, what it's actually talking about, it's not being filled once, but consistently, ongoingly, constantly be filled with the Spirit. Now, the Bible mentions, if you read through the stories of the New Testament, what you'll find is that there are all these characters in the New Testament that talk about being, it mentions they're filled with the Holy Spirit. People like Elizabeth and Paul and Zechariah and Peter were filled with the Spirit. In fact, it talks about some people like Stephen and John the Baptist, and it says they were constantly being filled with the Spirit. The Bible mentions that there are times when whole groups of people, Christian people, would gather together and they would pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and it would happen and it would become very evident that God was answering their prayers. Now, let me just pause there for a moment. As I start to unpack this for you, I bet I know what some of you are in the room are thinking. You're thinking, Dave, I don't get it. I thought you taught that 
that we all have God's Spirit living within us when we choose to, to, to accept Christ into our lives. When we accept Jesus into our lives at some point, you know, that you told, you've said that you know, we're, we are in that moment that we receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, in fact, Dave, you've prayed. It seems like every single Sunday at the end of the service, you pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit as they accept Christ in their lives. So what gifts? Well, what I'm sharing with you this morning is totally true. I mean, understand here, this passage that we're looking at, that isn't what these verses are talking about here this morning. These people in Colossae were already Christians who had already received God's Spirit, Yet they, Paul was praying, still, I pray that you would constantly be filled. Let me explain it this way. The Bible describes a difference between receiving the Holy Spirit, hear me, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. They're two different things. Receiving the Holy Spirit, which you do when you accept Christ, and being filled with the Holy Spirit, which is something you do consistently, continuously, hopefully, throughout your life. All followers of Christ receive God's Spirit. But not all Christians are filled at any given time with God's Spirit. In fact, I would bet that some of you here today who are followers of Christ aren't filled with the Spirit right now, though you may have been in the past. The Holy Spirit, as I said, comes to dwell to, in, in each person who accepts Christ as Savior. But we can grieve, we can even quench that Spirit as Christians. And as a result, we may not experience the fullness of the Spirit's working and His power in and through our lives. Being filled with the Spirit is not a one-and-done experience. It's not like, okay, I I did that one time, now I'm set. The Bible says we're to be constantly filled, constantly controlled and empowered with the Holy Spirit as a way of life. Give you an example this morning with uh, with Paul uh, with Mr. Tuggy here this morning. You know, I think about a car, which you know, I'm not I'm not nearly as good as he is about trying to fix cars. Whenever my car breaks down, I kind of freak out because I don't know what to do. Uh, but it's kind of like the oil in your car. You know, it's when you first buy your car and you roll it off the the lot. It's not like you know, yeah, it, there's oil in the car, but it's not like you know what they did that when I bought the car. I'm all set. I have a friend who lives in Chandler, who that was her philosophy. She thought, they put oil in the car when I bought it, so why would I need to put any in it? And she broke her car, eventually, because she never put oil in it. And that's what we're talking about here. You know, we receive the Spirit when we, when we accept Christ. When we drive off the lot, God has given us the gift of His Spirit, but we have to constantly be refilling. We have to fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit in order to live a Spirit-empowered life. And this, this prayer, guys, this prayer is so important this morning. And here's why. In the book of Acts, Jesus said being filled with the Spirit would empower us to live the Christian life to the fullest and to be His witnesses. His disciples, when they prayed to be filled with the Spirit, they went from being timid followers who ran for their lives to radiant witnesses for Christ, who changed the course of history. That same power, the power of the Holy Spirit, is available to everyone who follows Christ to fill them and to enable them to live a holy, a fruitful, and abundant life in Christ. God wants His people to be constantly filled with the Spirit. 
so that we radiate Christ to those who are around us. But listen, just like receiving Christ, God waits for us to ask before he fills us again. And the tragic news in my mind, the tragic news is that there are Christians all over the world today who aren't filled with the Spirit because they haven't even asked. What the early church depended on to live a life for Christ and to do incredible things for God, oftentimes we don't even think to ask for. And the power of the Spirit can fizzle out shortly after we receive Christ. That passion can just be gone. I mean, how many people have you known? How many people have you known who have accepted Christ and they were just on fire for God? They were, you saw God working in and through their lives in incredible ways, yet soon after, that fire just kind of fizzled out. That joy was gone. The, that power was gone. Faith became head knowledge rather than an ongoing, life-changing experience. Ministry or, or serving God started to feel more like a chore, a, a duty, an, an obligation than a privilege. And the people that were experiencing the power of Christ through that person slowly, it slowly just kind of stopped. When we aren't filled with the Spirit, guys, please hear me. When we aren't filled with the Spirit, the power, the passion, it's not there. People can see, can't see a difference in our lives versus others who don't even know Christ. And so many of us are hungry, even starved spiritually. Yet we drift from day to day, assuming that that's normal. And we don't do anything about it. And the spirit that God has provided to keep us filled, to keep us empowered, to live this life just goes untapped, unused. It reminds me of this one couple I heard about just a couple weeks ago named Ira and Ann Yates. Barely, it was, even before the Great Depression, this guy Ira Yates, he had this farm in West Texas and he was using it but he could barely survive off the land he for years he was trying to eke out a living on 26,000 acres of land in west texas that he was using for sheep and cattle grazing and um there was just drought and blowing sand all the time and it almost did him in he struggled to pay the mortgage even struggled to pay his taxes he was living off of government subsidies there came a point when the ranch was about to go under when a seismographic crew came in looking for oil in the area, this oil company. And they came and asked Ira Yates, would you mind if we just tried drilling on your land to see if there's anything there? So he approved and they started drilling. 23 days they dug a hole in the ground. They got down to 1,000 feet when all of a sudden this gush of oil shot up out of the ground and went up hundreds of feet into the air. Now I'm telling you this for this reason. Until that day, Ira and Ann had been billionaires living in poverty. The problem was, they didn't know what all they had access to. They had incredible resources available to them, but they weren't using them. 
They didn't even know better. And some of you, please hear me, as nice as I can say this, some of you are like that today spiritually. You have all these resources at your disposal as a follower of Jesus, but you're living spiritually poor. You're not living the abundant life that Christ offers because you're not filled. You're not praying, God, fill me with your spirit. Maybe you haven't even thought to pray that prayer before. But now that you know the importance of that prayer and how that, that, that prayer just caused a group of people who first started following Jesus 2,000 years ago to just not only had their faith blossom, but just to be this, these powerful witnesses for Christ, this powerful reflection of Christ in the world around them. Now that you know that it starts with praying that prayer, God, fill me with your spirit. Why would you choose to live that way any longer without it? Now, let me also answer a question since I'm doing this here that you may be asking yourself, and that is this. Dave, okay, say, say I pray this prayer that you think is really important to, for me to pray that God would fill me with his spirit. Well, what, what happens exactly if I do? What happens if I pray that? What really changes? It's a fair question. I mean, some of you might say, you know, I've heard people who prayed about this. I've, I've seen what happens in the Bible. I've heard people pray this, and all of a sudden they start talking in different languages. They're speaking in tongues and all these strange things. Now, I don't know about all that, right? Or, you know, I, I've read these stories in the book of Acts where, you know, they start praying to be filled with the Spirit, and these supernatural things start happening. And those things did happen, and guess what? They happen today, too, for those who pray this. People in the early church who were filled with the Spirit, they would literally lay hands on people and pray, God, would you heal them? And they would be healed instantly, right there, on the spot. Being filled with the Spirit can be a powerfully emotional experience. But listen, being filled with the Spirit is more than just an emotional or mystical experience. If all you're wanting is some spiritual goosebumps where you feel God, but but if you don't have this deep desire within you to live for God. And honestly, as I look at Scripture, I don't think that's a prayer that God answers. God asks us to pray, fill me with your spirit so that he can empower us to live the Christian life, so that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to those who are around us in a powerful, visible way. So that when we stand in our community with others who are around us who don't even know who Jesus is, they look at us and we say, hey, there's something different about that person. God doesn't fill you with his spirit so that you can just have an emotional experience. He calls you to ask to be filled with the spirit so that you can live a holy life. To live a powerful, fruitful life as a witness for Christ. Now, let's go back to Colossians just a minute. I started with us there. Back in, back in Colossians 1, Paul alludes to what happens when you're filled with the spirit. Things that happen when we're constantly praying to be filled with the spirit. We saw in verse 9, it says that, um, it says that when we pray for this, it, you know, it brings us wisdom and understanding. It brings us discernment of God's will, in other words, and power to perform that will. In verse 10, it says when we're filled that our lives will bear fruit that will honor and please the Lord. In other words, we'll grow spiritually. Jesus said also in, in John 15, he says, if you remain in the fullness of God's spirit, Christ's spirit, you will bear much fruit. And then in Galatians 5, it lists all these fruit 
of the Spirit that are evident in our lives when we are filled. That we are filled with love and joy and patience and peace and so much more. In verse 11, it says that we'll be strengthened with all power so that we have endurance and patience and joy. Again, these fruit of the Spirit that we also see in Galatians. In verse 12, it says that being filled will cause us to be thankful and grateful to God. And lastly, back in Acts 1.8, Jesus says that when we are filled, we're given this power, this enthusiasm, this eagerness to tell others around us about Christ. It's no longer something that we feel like we should do. It's something we can't help ourselves but do. And here's the great thing about it. What we need to do to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it isn't rocket science. It's not like we need to rub a genie lamp and just hope and pray something happens. The early church constantly prayed to be refilled with the Spirit. And as you can see, if you read the book of Acts, God, re- God responded. God answered that prayer. And what you see in the book of Acts is that you don't have to pray, I mean, you don't have to beg or plead or cry to God to answer that prayer. All you need to do is ask. You know, there's a guy uh, who uh, uh, used to, he was a founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. His name was Bill Bright. And he spoke directly to that. He said this when he was alive. He said, for a long period of time, I fasted and cried out to God for his fullness. And then one day I discovered from the scriptures that the just shall live by faith. You don't earn God's fullness. You receive it by faith. But he said, that's what Christian people do all the time. He said, millions of Christians are begging God, as I once did, for something which is readily available, just waiting to be appropriated by faith. They're asking for some kind of emotional experience, not realizing that such an attitude on their part is an insult to God and a denial of faith. Listen, this message this morning, if you're tracking with me, might be the most important life-changing concept you have heard as a follower of Jesus since you first accepted Christ into your life. It has that much power to change your life. It could also be, for those of you who are here today or those who are listening online, maybe you're not even a follower of Jesus, but this, this truth that I'm explaining this morning... It could have the power to change your life just as much because I bet for many of you who aren't following Christ today, one of the reasons that you aren't is because you look around you and you see people who say they're following Jesus and you've said to yourself under your breath, they don't live, I don't see that their lives are any different than mine is. What's the point? What do they have that I don't have? Listen, if you're a Christian... Why in the world would you want to live, spiritually speaking, like Ira Yates did for so many years? With access to all this power to live a transformed life, yet, spiritually speaking, living from day to day off of crumbs. God doesn't want you to live like that. He, doesn't, he wants to encourage you to constantly pray to be filled with His Spirit. I want to close with this this morning. 
maybe you're asking yourself this morning as you're hearing this, well, what does this look like? How, how can I be filled with the Spirit? What, what does that mean? Let me just, if I can, let me just walk with you for just a moment through that question before we're done. The first thing, which I think might be obvious to some of you, but maybe not, is that you have to have received the Spirit by accepting Christ as your Savior. This filling that I'm talking about is to make you more Christ-like, which is obviously not going to happen if you don't want to be, if you don't want Christ front and center in your life. So the first thing is that we have to have a relationship with God through Christ. We have actually had to ask Christ into our life. The second thing, which I know this may be obvious as well, but I'll say it, is that we have to actually want to be filled with the Spirit. We actually have to really want it. Jesus said that we will be filled if you hunger and thirst for this righteous kind of life. You know, there was this great man of faith by the name of Thomas Merton. And he prayed this prayer one time. I, I'll put it on the screen. I want to encourage you as you see it to see if you can relate to him. He said, My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I don't see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I'm following your will doesn't mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may not know anything about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are forever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. So, what does it look like to be filled with the Spirit? Number one, we have Christ in our lives. Number two, we actually want to be filled with the Spirit. We deeply want it inside our gut. The next thing I think is important for us to keep in mind is that we need to confess our sins before God without reservation. You see, our sins, the Bible says, they, they grieve, they, they quench the Spirit in our lives. And God says in the Psalms that if we hold on to, if we, if we cherish those sins, if we don't do everything we can to resolve them and to, to be done with them, then God doesn't, necess- God doesn't answer our prayers. But then in 1 John it says that if we confess our sins to, and we turn from them, that we are unconditionally forgiven and we open the door for the working of the Spirit in our lives again. As we pray for God to forgive us of our sins, we express that desire to, be, to surrender our lives fully to God. We're not praying for feelings or goosebumps. We're praying, God, would you... God, I surrender myself to you today. I ask that you would help me to take up my cross and follow you. That's where the prayer gets scary, by the way. When we start praying, God, give me the ability to fully surrender as you fill me with your spirit. God, help me to take up my cross and follow you. When we pray that prayer, man, I'm telling you, God can change your life. That's when prayer gets real. (laughs) It can change your life and mine far greater than anything you and I could possibly imagine. You know, 
I'll be honest with you. When I, when I put this message together a couple weeks ago, I had no idea what God was going to do in my life. I didn't. It was just another Thursday in the office. And I worked for hours on this thing, trying to understand what all it was that God was wanting to say. And I felt God's spirit on my heart and my life stronger than I have in any message I've done in years. I, I remember just being done with that message, and I just kind of, I didn't finish writing it until midnight that night. And I just was in this room, just alone with God, and just crying out to God. And God was showing me, David, you have lived for so many years without praying that prayer. And it wasn't because I was trying to run from God. I just didn't realize how important it was. I didn't realize that that was the prayer that set the early church on fire. That is, the world around them kept coming in on them and crushing them. They kept praying, God, fill me with your spirit. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit because without you, I'm done. And even in the midst of great persecution and trial, the church just took off through that. And I realized, Lord, forgive me. I, it hasn't even come to mind I can't even remember the last time I prayed it. And ever since then, I just can't stop. I can't stop praying it because I'm realizing this, this thing that I felt like I was missing, this thing that I felt that maybe you felt years ago when you first accepted Christ that kind of felt a little bit stifled, like a, a, a flame under a, a basket or something. It, it just felt like this fire just whoosh came up in my heart. And I realized... I had been praying, God, fill me with your spirit. I want to ask you this morning to pray a very scary prayer. And that is, God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Amen. Not many people, not many Christian people are willing to pray that prayer. But if you are, let me tell you this morning... God is ready to answer that prayer. That isn't one that he's going to wait on. All that's left is for you to simply say, God, forgive me. God, those things in my heart that have distanced me from you, that have quenched your spirit, God, help me. Let's just get rid of those things right now this week. Get them out of there. Because God, I want you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And the last thing I'll share with you this morning, how to be filled with God's Spirit is to simply say the words. Simply pray, God, fill me. Just ask. You know, I think with that, that's really all I need to say this morning. At this point, really, what this boils down to is that a decision needs to be made in your life and in mine. That decision is, am I willing to pray that silly three-word prayer? God, fill me. And really mean it. Not just lip talk, not just lip service to God. Am I really willing, if I look deep down in my gut right now, knowing what it will cost me, am I willing to say those three words? The decision is yours. You can walk out of here today. 
you can go on with your Christian life if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can think, well, that was, a, that was an interesting message. Whew, I don't know where Pastor Dave was coming from with that one, but well, okay. Or you can say, wherever you are in your faith journey right now, God, search me, know my heart, mold me, but then fill me. And watch what God does. Would you pray with me? God, I, I, I don't know if this message came through this morning. <laughs> I, 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 I really hope it has. I, I know it has to me. And if nothing else, I know that my life is totally different as a result of what you have shown me. God, I ask today again that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, God. God, I do not want to continue to live this life on autopilot. I want to continue to drive a car with an empty oil pan thinking that I'm okay. God, I need you to fill me over and over and over again because God, I want nothing more than to be a reflection of you to these people here today and whoever you put me in contact with. God, on my own, I am so messed up. <laughs> I am so broken. But God, I know that when you fill me with your spirit, none of that even matters. God, I pray that you would look right now at every heart in this room, every person who's listening online. God, I ask that you would just look deep into each person's soul and that you would check, that you would see this morning if there's a deep desire there to be filled with your Holy Spirit. And God, if you see that desire there, if you see that welcome there, that you would just come in, Holy Spirit, and fill each and every person in this room. God, I pray that you would fill them so full of your Spirit that they might even actually literally feel you. <laughs> But regardless of emotions and feelings, Lord, that they would know that they have your power inside them to live this Christian life, not just okay, but in a powerful, abundant way. God, I pray that you would call us to continue praying that prayer over and over and over again. Every day as we roll out of bed, Lord, our first three words would be, God, fill me. In Jesus' name.